Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, open over to Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Or if you have uh, the YouVersion Bible app, you can follow along on there. Uh, on the bottom of the screen where it says more, you click on that, click on events, and uh, Cornerstone should be one of the first ones that pops up. Uh, but you can follow along on the YouVersion Bible app. And while you're getting over to Matthew chapter 6... Uh, we've been going through the last couple of weeks a series titled Thank You Notes, and it's been this idea of being thankful, and this is the time of the year. We reflect on that, right? We, we reflect on what it is we're thankful for, the, the ways that uh, God has blessed us, and the thing is, for so many people, there are so many reasons to be thankful, but we're just not feeling it, right? Like, we know that we should be thankful, and yet there's so many things happening in our life that we just feel less than thankful. We're, we're confused, we're frustrated, and, and we're trying to figure out how can I be more thankful. And so we've been talking about some of the things that keep us from being thankful. And in uh, the first week, we talked about this idea of being discontent. So often we're discontent with... Uh, our lot in life we're discontent with the things that we have and when we learn to be content and we follow the advice of paul who says no matter the situation no matter whether i have plenty or i have little whether i'm in a good situation or a bad situation i've learned to be content in all things because of him who gives me strength i can do this thing i can be content because he is my strength and when we learn to be content we learn to be thankful for what we have Last week we talked about envy. Envy is something that so often keeps us from being thankful. We see what other people have. We see their situation and we think this is, it's not fair. Why do they have this? Why are they in this position and I'm not? And we talked about the problem with envy and that there's several problems with envy. It can drain your body, just constantly uh, spinning your wheels, trying to be happy, but all you see is what they have and what they're going through, and it drains us. It, it makes it hard to love people when we envy what they have or their situations. It, it makes it hard to love them, and, and honestly, a lot of times it leads to hate. It leads to hate. We start to hate. We start to become bitter because what other people have. And that leads us down a road to many other sins. And so how do we uh, work through envy? Well, we worship, right? We worship God because when we're centered on Him, when we're focused on Him, we're not focusing on what other people have or what their situations are. We focus on Him and it centers us. We avoid comparison, right? We avoid looking at others and comparing ourselves to others. I don't have that gift. I don't have that ability. I don't have the things they have. I don't have that situation. And we, we get into comparison so often. And really what we need to do is we need to avoid comparison. We are uniquely created by a heavenly father who created us in his image. We are unique. And so we avoid comparison and we, we have gifts that other people don't. God has blessed us with different gifts to, to minister in his kingdom. And so we avoid comparison in that way. And of course, we lean on him. We lean on him for strength. We, we lean on him for uh, just the ability to say, okay, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rely on you. I'm going to trust you no matter what the situation I have in life. I'm just going to lean on you. And so we talked about being thankful over being envious. And so this morning, we come to a third thing that keeps us from being thankful. And 
I've got to be honest, this one's difficult for me. All these things, this is something that I struggle with greatly, and it's something that I've prayed through and prayed through and prayed through, and I'm sure that you, if we're all honest, we've all struggled with this, and that's worry. Worry. So often, worry, anxieties keep us from being thankful. Bobby McFerrin was a recording artist, and you may not know that name. You might be thinking, who is Bobby McFerrin? I don't recognize that name. What's he done? Well, his greatest contribution to the world of music is a song that contains these lyrics. Here's a little song I wrote you. Might want to sing it note for note. Don't worry, be happy. In every life we have some trouble, but when you worry, you make it double. Don't worry, be happy. Don't worry, be happy now. It seems so simple, doesn't it? Just be happy. Stop worrying. Stop being anxious. Just be happy. The thing is this. We're not happy. We're not happy. Our lives are filled with worry. It's filled with anxiety. It's filled with stress. Stats going back to 2020 pre pandemic, it was that 3.6% of the population has anxiety. 3.6% of the population of this world. 8% of children and teenagers worldwide have an anxiety disorder. 6.2 U.S. citizens have a struggle with anxiety disorder. We worry, we're anxious. We're worried, how am I going to get from day to day? How am I going to take care of all these bills? There's just too much month at the end of the money. How am I going to be able to provide? What's going to happen in this situation? What's going to happen in my life in this situation? What's going to happen tomorrow? What am I going to do in the future? There's just so much worry. The truth is, so often we worry about things that never actually happen. Mark Twain once said, I've had a lot of worries in my life, most of which never happened. Before that, a guy named Michelle D. Montana once said, my life has been filled with terrible misfortune, most of which never happened. So much of our life is spent worrying and filled with anxiety. And so, what do we do? How do we deal with worry? How do we deal with anxiety? Well, in Matthew chapter 6, 25 through 34, Jesus gives us some answers. Here's what you need to do to spend your life not worrying. And so this morning, I think when we read through this, there's three things that Jesus points out that we could uh, take to heart and we could remember when it comes to this idea of worry. And so to begin with, in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 30, I think the first thing that Jesus would want us to know is that God gives us what we need. God gives us what we need. God provides for us the things that we need to live life, to to make it day by day. God gives us what we need. This is what it says starting in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. It says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body. What you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Now, context for this, this little section is coming in a moment in Scripture known as the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is sharing uh, all these, you know, different 
important things, all these different points. And right before this, he's talking about storing up treasures in heaven. And our focus is so much on money. Our focus is so much on these things that, that don't really serve a purpose in the long run. Eventually, these treasures that you hold on to, they fade. They will rust. They will go away. You can't take them with you when you go. And so we need not worry about our, our money. We need not worry about these material things because they will eventually cease. And Jesus says in verse 24, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And now in verse 25, Jesus is pointing them to basic necessities. These basic necessities of life. You need water, you need food, you need clothing. So don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or your body, what you will wear. Don't worry about these things. You spend so much of your life worrying, where is my food going to come from? Where are my clothes going to come from? Where is water going to come from? What am I going to do? And Jesus says, don't worry about these things. I like how John MacArthur gives it a little bit of context when you think about this. This is a big deal to the people that Jesus is speaking with. We kind of take these things for granted too often. Clothes, food, water, these are things we take for granted. For them, in this time, this was something that was important to them. And it was a struggle. Where are these things going to come from? And MacArthur points this out. He says, food, you had to raise it. You had to cultivate it and farm it or trek to the marketplace and hope that what you needed was available there. Water was a great concern in that semi-arid part of the world. Clothing, you could perhaps purchase it from someone, but in most cases you had to make it. If there was a drought, you might have a scarcity of water, and you would consequently have a scarcity of food. In fact, those people, for the most part, lived just to survive eating and drinking. Most of the people in the land of Israel basically were poor to one degree or another, and they had to eke out a basic living. In the burning summer, the streams would dry up. The water supply was, every summer, minimal. To the poorer people, an annual change of clothing was by no means guaranteed. And when winter came, it could be cold, and it could snow in Jerusalem. Wanting the necessities of life is very normal. And... For them, it was, a, it was a worry. It was a struggle. It was something to give them anxiety. And here Jesus is saying, don't worry about these things. Matter of fact, MacArthur ends this statement by saying, just don't worry about it, he says. Don't worry about it. And so Jesus tells him, hey, don't worry. Don't worry about this. And so he, want, he has to give an example. Hey, here's what I mean by this. Here's, here's why you shouldn't worry. In, in this illustration, in the next illustration, he uses this idea of less than, greater than. And this is what he says in verse 26. He says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Picture this, Jesus is up there and he's proclaiming the word and he, he looks up and he sees these birds flying overhead and he tells them, think about Look at these birds. Look at the birds of the air. This phrase, look at the birds, implies look and learn. Look and learn from the birds in the air. I mean, they don't sow or reap or store away in barns. They don't have a, a, a storehouse for themselves that all the birds can congregate and get their food and go. No, they don't have to do They have to work constantly to go and find food, and yet... God provides for them the food. 
Job chapter 38, verse 41, it says, Who provides food for the raven when it's young cry out to God and wonder about for the lack of food? Psalm 147, verse 9, He provides food for the cattle and for the young ravens when they call. God provides food for the birds, and if He provides food for the birds... And it says, yet your heavenly Father feeds them, and are you not much more valuable than they? These are birds. You are created in the image of God. You are his children. You are created in his likeness, in his image. Are you not more important than this? If I'll provide, if God will provide for the birds the food that they need to survive, are you not much greater than this? Matthew chapter 10, 29 through 31 Jesus says this, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. We are, so, we are worth so much more to God. And so if God takes care of the birds, gives them what they need, would God not do the same thing for us? Does God not do the same thing for us? And then verse 27, and this one stings a little bit. It says, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And we, we like to do this, right? We like to worry because we think that maybe by worrying about something or being anxious about something gives us some sort of control over the situation. If I, if I worry, maybe I can worry uh, an outcome into existence. Maybe I can worry this into reality. But the truth is this. Worry does nothing for your life. It doesn't add a single second, doesn't add a single hour or minute, hour, anything to your life. Matter of fact, worry and anxiety does so much harmful stuff to our body. We stress ourselves, we worry ourselves sick often. Proverbs twelve twenty five tells us anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. But I, that shows just how strong anxiety is. And anxiety weighs down the heart. I love how Warren Wiersbe talks about this. He says, Jesus said that worry is sinful. We may dignify worry by calling it by some other name, concern, burden, a cross to bear, but the results are all the same. Instead of helping us live longer, anxiety only makes life shorter. All it does is make life shorter. I read a quote from Mark Moore, which I think he borrowed from other people. I've seen it all around, but I, I think it makes sense. Worry, it's kind of like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. You sit in a rocking chair and you rock back and forth, but do you make it across the room while you're sitting in a rocking chair, rocking back and forth? No, it stays put. And that's our life when we worry. It doesn't do anything for us. Worrying, anxiety, it doesn't change the outcome of our life. It doesn't add any extra time. It doesn't make something come into existence. Worry does nothing except stress us and wear us down. And so Jesus says, think about the birds. They have the food they need and isn't, aren't you more important? And let me ask, what can any of you add your life by worrying. And so he continues to give another example. This time, he's going to talk about clothes. He says, and why do you worry about clothes? Why do you worry about clothes? 
see how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. They do not labor or spin. This idea of men would labor in the fields, women would spin, and that idea of spin, it's to make yarn for clothes. They would spin to make yarn for clothes. And look at these flowers of the field. They're wildflowers. They don't labor or spin. They can't do anything. A wildflower just sits there. It's totally dependent on what happens around it. It cannot water itself. It cannot feed itself. All it can do is stay where it's at. That's all it can do. And he says, see how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. And then verse 29, he says this. He says, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. In all of his splendor, he wasn't dressed like one of these. And Solomon, oh man, he had splendor. He had splendor in his life. He, his robes were uh, decked in jewels and uh, he had all this splendor. Matter of fact, in Second Chronicles chapter 9, 3-4, through 4, we get a little glimpse of the splendor of Solomon. It says, When the queen of Sheba saw the wisdom of Solomon, as well as the palace he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his officials, the attending servants in their robes, the cupbearers in their robes, and the burnt offerings he made at the temple of the Lord, she was overwhelmed. So much splendor. So amazing the way this looked. And yet, Jesus says, think of all the splendor of Solomon and not, a, not anything that Solomon had. All of Solomon in his splendor was not dressed like one of these flowers. No, you see, there's an intricacy to these wildflowers. They're, the way they look, the way they're designed, if you looked at it under a microscope, you would see how uniquely crafted, how amazingly put together these wildflowers are. And all the splendor that Solomon had in his life, of all the jewels on his robes, of all the, the decadence of Solomon, none of it compares to these wildflowers that can do nothing. They can do nothing. And God clothes them. In verse 30, it says, If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Powerful words there. If, if, not, if, he, if he does this for these wildflowers, and guess what? These wildflowers, eventually they're cut up, thrown into the fire, and yet they're so intricately made, they're so well-dressed, if, if he does this for these wildflowers, would he not clothe you? Would he not take care of you? You of little faith. Such a powerful statement that Jesus makes there. And too often, we, more than we would admit, we too often are of little faith, aren't we? And we can look out our window and we can see God's glorious design. We can see nature in all of its finest. We can look out and we can see the trees around us. We can see flowers around us. We can see all of these things so intricately crafted, so taken care of. And yet we can look at all these things and still wonder, God, when are you going to come and take care of me? Why aren't you doing anything? Why is my life like this? What am I going to do about all of this? We worry and we worry and we worry and we lack faith. We are of little faith when we see all around us how God takes care of things that we are greater than. The trees that grow, we are greater than. We are created in the image of God. The flowers we see, we are even greater than because we are created in the image of God. And if we can look at these things and we still worry, we lack faith. We are of little faith. 
No, see, we need to remember this, that God provides what we need. God provides what we need. He sees us and he knows what it is we need. And so he gives us the basic necessities of life, the things that we need to do life each and every day. We have a father who provides for us what we need. And so what's the second thing that he teaches us here? Well, in Matthew 6, 31 through 32, I think he points out this, that we need to have faith. Coming after verse 30, when he says you have little faith, and in verses 31 and 32, it's you got to have faith. You have to have faith. And this is what it says in verses 31 and 32. It says, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. And we have no need to, to worry, and so we need to say, I'm not going to worry about these things because I know that our Heavenly Father knows that we need these things. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 3, it says, The Lord does not let the righteous go hungry, but He thwarts the craving of the wicked. Philippians 4.19 reminds us, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. We don't have to worry about these things because our Father knows we need them. And so he compares it to the pagans, for those who run after all these things. You see, for the pagan, they have to, the person who does not believe in God, they have to run after all of these things. And the reason they have to run after all these things is because they haven't placed their faith in God. And because they haven't placed their faith in God, they don't know where their next thing is going to come from. They don't know where their clothes are going to come from, where these provisions are going to come from. And so they chase after all of these things. They chase after wealth. They chase after all these things thinking this is going to be the thing that provides. And he says... The pagans do this. They run after all these things, and yet your heavenly Father knows that you need them. He knows that you need these things. And here's the, the thing I love about the church and, and you know, Acts and stuff like that. They, they trusted God. They had faith that God was going to provide. They had uh, faith that God was going to take care of them. And because of that, it enabled them to take care of others. They used what God had blessed them with, and they used that to bless others and take care of others. And it's really interesting, there's this guy in history called Julian the Apostate. And Julian the Apostate, he was a Roman emperor in the 4th century, and he once made a comment. And he, he compares this, this group of Jews, he calls them atheists. Because they're atheists, because they don't believe in these same gods that the, the Romans would believe in. But listen to what he says. He says, we ought to be ashamed not a beggar is to be found among the Jews. And those godless Galileans feed not only their own people, but ours as well. Whereas our people receive no assistance from us, whatever. No assistance from us whatsoever. What he's saying is, you know what? These people have so much faith in God that God is going to provide for them, that God is going to take care of their needs. So guess what they're doing? They're taking care of everybody else. They're taking care of one another. And not only are they taking care of one another, but they're feeding our people. They're feeding our people. They're making sure our people have what it is they need. And guess what? We, we're not doing that for our own people. Yet these godless Galileans, these Jews, are taking care of our people and one another. And that's having faith that, God, you're going to take care of me no matter what the situation. And that's what we're called to. 
We're called to have faith in Him that He is going to provide the things that we need. We shouldn't be of little faith. We should be of great faith because we know that our Heavenly Father will take care of us. And so we need to put our faith and our trust in Him that He is going to come through when He says He's going to come through. And here's the thing that we have to remember again, and I will keep saying this over and over again. Remember, He provides what we need. There's a difference between want and need. God's not our cosmic genie who's going to give us everything we want, but He gives us what it is we need, and we need to put our faith in Him. I like what Elizabeth Elliot once said. She said, worry is the antithesis of trust. You simply cannot do both. They are mutually exclusive. If you're going to trust, you cannot, if you're going to trust God, if you're going to have faith in Him, then you have to leave that worry behind. You have to say, God, I'm not going to worry about these things because I know that you will come through and I know that I can trust you and I put my faith in you that you are going to provide when it is, you're going to provide when I need it, you're going to provide it when it's according to your will, you're going to provide exactly what it is that I need. And so, one, we recognize that God gives us what we need. Two, we have faith. And here's the third thing. In verses 33 through 34, it's this. We don't worry about the future. We don't worry about the future. This is what it says in verses 33 and 34. It says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And I'm sure I'm not the only one in the room who struggles with this. Too often I think about, man, what's going to happen with this? What's going to happen next week? What's going to happen next month? What's going to happen in this situation when this rolls around? We spend so much time worrying about tomorrow when today has its own issues, its own problems, its own things that we need to go before God with. And yet that's our problem. We worry so much about the future and James reminds us that we shouldn't do this. James chapter 4, verse 13 through 15. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Why do we worry so much about tomorrow? Because truth is, we're not even guaranteed tomorrow. We're not promised tomorrow. We are a vapor, a mist. We can be gone in just a moment's time. So we need to not worry about tomorrow. We need to worry about today. And I think that's why verse, 20, or verse 33 is so important. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. If we seek Him first, if we seek His kingdom, if we seek His righteousness, if we seek to live for Him, if we seek to do things according to His word, He will provide the things that we need to live life each and every day if we focus on Him. Don't worry about tomorrow. Worry about focusing on Him now. One of the things that my brother in the faith, Randall Schatz, always prays, and I love when he prays it, he said, God, help me live moment by moment. Not for tomorrow, not for next week. Help me live moment by moment, here and now. And that's what we are called to, live for Him. Seek Him, seek His kingdom, seek His righteousness. Obey Him, trust Him, put your faith in Him. Let Him do what He says He's going to in your life. 
Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got its own issues. Worry about today. Seek Him today. Seek Him first. Seek Him often, each and every day. The more you think and focus and worry about tomorrow, the more you take your attention off of Him. And so, God gives us what we need. We're to have faith. We're to to not worry about the future. Here's the thing I think that this passage would tell us, and it's easy, thankfulness over worry. That's what we should choose, thankfulness over worry. We should choose being thankful for what God has blessed us with rather than worry about when is this blessing going to come? When is this going to happen? When is this part of my life going to change? When is it? What if this happens? What if this happens? We stop worrying about these things and we choose thankfulness. And it seems so easy and it sounds so easy and we know that it's difficult. If it wasn't difficult, Jesus wouldn't have to remind us to not worry. And so he tells us, do not worry, but we are to choose thankfulness over worry. And so what do we do? Well, I think we take our worries, our anxieties, and we bring it before him. First Peter chapter 5, verse 7, it says, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We can go before our Father and we can lay our worries, our anxieties, our struggles, all of these things on Him and He will take care of it because He cares for us. And so I'm going to ask the worship team to come up this morning. And maybe you're here this morning and you're like, I, I just I want to be thankful but I've never given my life to Him and it's I see that in order to, to truly be thankful for what he's done, I've got, I got to come before him, I give my life to him. And we can be thankful for what he's done for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 3-4, it tells us this, For what I received, I passed on to you of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. This is how much God loved us, that he would send his son for us. But here's the thing, he didn't come and die and just stay in the grave. No, he came, he died, he rose again three days later. And because of this, we have salvation and we have a reason to be thankful. And maybe you're here this morning and you've never given your life to him. He sent his son to die for each and every one of us. And that gives us reason to be thankful. And so if you're here this morning and you've never given your life to him, on your connect cards, you can mark that down. I'd love to talk with you. You can come up here and I'd love to talk with you. Or maybe you're here this morning and your life has just been filled with worry. Maybe anxiety and worry is all you see. Maybe that's your, something you've been struggling with and it's just you're worried about where's this going to come from and how am I going to do this? And if you've been letting worry and anxiety take control of you, you need to let it go. You need to let it go and you need to put it at the feet of Jesus and you need to take it before Him because He cares for you. Lay that worry, lay that anxiety down at His feet. And so this morning, if anxiety, if worry has been crouching at your door, this morning where you're sitting, you can pray, God, please take this from me you want to come up here and pray, I'd love to pray with you.
man, it's time to stop letting worry dictate our life. It's time for us to stop letting anxiety take control of our life. And it's time to put our faith in him, to put our trust in him, to know that he will provide, that he will take care of what we need because he is good. He is an awesome God. He is a God who loves us. We are created in his image. And so this morning, if you need to lay that at his feet, please do so. And it's time to choose thankfulness. We have so many reasons this season to be thankful. And so when you go this week and you celebrate Thanksgiving, think about what God has done for you. Think about how you can be content whatever the situation you're in. Think about you don't have to let envy dictate in your life. You don't have to let worry and anxiety dictate in your life. You can choose to be thankful. And so this morning, if you have a decision to make, if you have a prayer thing that you need to lay at his feet, please do so as we stand and we sing.